Um, just while David was praying about the, we, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. We just were saying, church, let's, let's pray about what's going on in our village, what's going on in our community. And, uh, and again, just in conversation with the staff here uh, over the last week, just, uh, just really, uh, really struggling to know what to do. Like, what are we supposed to do with what's going on around? And, uh, and so because there's still kids in the room, like, I, I, don't, I, I don't even want to say what the sort of things that they're finding just around, our, around the park here. But it has to cause us to do something. It has to cause us to, to God, come on. Can't, we can no longer ignore this, no longer sit back and think somebody else is going to do it. And that's uh, so just an increasing sense, even just chatting with the staff. It's, they're not outright saying it, but there's almost a sense, like, come on, who's, who's going to do something? Who's going to remind these kids of the value and worth that Father places on them, but lead them into some sort of purpose and life. And yeah, so keep on praying about that. We're really seeking the Lord increasingly about uh, what we can do. Um, so, uh, so yes, we are. We're first of September. We're just going right into uh, right into this new season. Um, yeah, definitely a sense of. Definitely a sense of feeling like there's something on what we want to talk about over the next number of months that just feels like the Spirit, Holy Spirit, has been uh, leading us in this direction. And uh, as Paul, as he um, as he always does, is a, has a something to help us, and it is as bold almost and as blunt as that. As we consider, as we consider what it is to be the church, as we consider who who the church is, what the church is, why the church. Part of me has been asking that question, why bother? I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm asking that question personally necessarily because I, I love the church, honestly. Like I, some people talk about ambitions and dreams and goals and, uh, and some people have a goal like five years from now, they want to they do this, they want to be doing this, they want to be someplace. Honestly, like four decades from now, I celebrated my 35th birthday yesterday, 35 years from now, I still want to be serving. I still want to be serving this village. I still want to be serving this church. I still want to be part of this family. And you know, sometimes that, those, that's, that feels like it's really rare. It feels like there's, there's always another church growth seminar to go to. There's always another... There's always another church strategy or church vision thing to implement or be a part of. And I'm just like, God, I just want to faithfully serve this place. I just want to faithfully serve among these people for the next 35 years. And sometimes it doesn't sound very, <laughs> it doesn't sound very fancy. It doesn't sound very driven. But like, it's, it's what I want to do. I feel like, it, I feel like that Judith would ask me that question sometimes. Hey, what's your goals? What's your ambition? And there's times where I feel really stupid because I don't feel like there's anything that comes to mind. I feel like it's really boring. But I feel like the last number of weeks, I just felt a permission just to say, God, I just, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Faithfully serve and faithfully love the people that you've placed me with and the place that you've placed me in. And... Um, but as I look out, as I, as I look around and as I look out, 
I see that there is there is a there's a disconnect there is a disconnect between the amount of people that f- say that they follow Jesus and the amount of people that are committed to the local church and it feels to me it feels like the I don't have statistics to back any of this up but it feels like that like it's widening it feels like the number of people that say that they follow Jesus is so much more than the amount of people that are connected committed loving the church And so it's from that place. It's, it's from so that's that's part of what I'm why I'm asking the questions. Part of why I want us to be asking this question over the next wee while. Why, why bother? And I'm hoping I'm hoping week by week that there is a passion for the church that would just increase in us. The passion for who she is. Why? Why from the very beginning? This was the as Ephesians three tells us. This was the eternal purpose of the Father. This was his eternal purpose, that through the church, we're going to read those verses in a few moments, but I can't wait to get there. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is going to be displayed so that everybody, so that it impacts everywhere, it, even to the supernatural world is impacted because of how the church is being made manifest, how the church is living out. And so I want us to catch some of that. I want us to catch some of the big picture stuff because ultimately the church is the thing that points to the kingdom. And that's all Jesus preached. Jesus preached the kingdom. The church is mentioned three times. We're going to talk about that as we go on. But, but, the, but it's the kingdom. And, I, and, I, and sometimes I, f- I feel we've got it the wrong way around. It's the church that points to the kingdom. And I want us to talk about the church in such a way that will, that will cause us to see it bigger than we've ever seen it before. I want to dig deeper into, into all that it is to be the church, all that it means to be part of the church, all that it means for those of us who make up the church, uh, what that looks like, delving deeper into that so, that so how we view the church widens, it expands. And so let me, let me read a few verses that I'd love just to, uh, to, to introduce this. And that's really what I'm going to do this morning. I'm just going to introduce, maybe it'll feel like I'm just firing out statements throughout, throughout this. But I really just want to introduce, really just want to lay a foundation. I'd love to, to point you uh, in the direction that I feel that we're going to go in um, over the next number of months. But let me, read these, uh, let me read just this whole portion, if that's okay, starting at the, at the beginning of chapter 3. Paul's in prison here. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. And there's part of me just doesn't want to just uh, glance over that verse. What Paul was saying here was absolutely uh, so transformational. It was incredible what Paul was saying here because nobody was expecting this. Nobody would ever have believed that the Gentiles would become part of the people of God. 
They would never would have imagined that the Gentiles, that the others, that they, them, them ones would become part of the family of God. Not only would they become members together of this one body, as verse 6 says, but they would become sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. This was incredible what Paul was saying. This boggled the minds of those that had, that had thought it, the church, the gathered people of God, was going to look something like, looked like something different. It was going to look like us. It was going to look like everybody that looked and thought and taught and, and smelt and whatever, like me, was all going to be a part of this. And anybody that didn't was outside. And so Paul's, what Paul is doing here is incredible. He's already laid the foundation in Ephesians chapter 2. I was reminded of that in the songs that Jenna led us in this morning. Spirit break out, break our walls down. And that's what Paul was saying in uh, chapter 2, in verses 14 and 15. He was saying, you have been divided for so long. You have been, been two separate people groups. But I came so that the walls would be broken down. He himself is our peace and he's came to break down the walls that have divided us so that the two would become one. So that the two would become one and now the Gentiles are now members of this one body, sharers together in the promise. It's incredible. But let's go on. In verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I love that line. The unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which was for ages past, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Verse 10, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. This was according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and with confidence. No one thought that this was what the gathered people of God was going to look like. The Gentiles become a part of the one body, sharing in the promise of Jesus. And then he goes on to say, it's, it's, this is the mystery. This has been kept hidden for ages past, but it has now been revealed by the Spirit. And this is the intent. This is what he's wanting to do. That through this, through this diverse community of people, the manifold wisdom of God is going to be made known everywhere. This is who, this is who we are. So by forming a community, by forming a community out of diverse members, we have the opportunity to capture the attention of the world and even the supernatural world beyond. And I, I, I don't think, I'm not sure we are always aware of that. Maybe for some of us, we, we don't even believe it. Maybe for some of us, we're in that place where coming on a Sunday morning is really difficult. Maybe for some of us, we wake up on a Sunday morning and that is the question. Why bother? Why bother? And so throughout this, throughout this series, and that's why I want to start off with this because this is really important. Through us, through this diverse community of members, through this diverse community of people, we have the opportunity to capture the attention of the world and even the supernatural world beyond. So if we want to ask, if we could almost stop right now, why bother? Well, this is why. 
to live in such a way that we capture the attention of the world and even the world beyond. See, we have been charged, and, and Paul speaks about this over and over again. You'd hardly miss it. If you read Paul, if you read Paul for any length of time, you'll hardly miss it. That the church, this assembly of people, this gathered, this gathering of the people of God that have been called out, have been charged to live out an alternative kind of society. They've been, they've been charged to live an alternative type of lifestyle before the eyes of a watching world. And, and this faith is really important because it's a world that is increasingly um, that is increasingly moving towards tribalism and division. Like if anybody is watching the news at all, you are bound to notice. You're bound to notice. Or maybe it's, maybe it's just me. Maybe I've just been ignorant to the news for so long. But I've never I've never watched the news and feel like every article, feel like every report is testimony, is testimony to the fact that we are, our world is increasingly moving towards tribalism and division. And so we're a people that are supposed to go, go be countercultural. We're supposed to be a people that are alternative, an alternative society, an alternative lifestyle. So we should be almost, we should be the ones that are moving it the other way. And so often in, so often in our churches, so often in our denominations, we find ourselves, we find ourselves in that same sort of place we find ourselves in our, in our own silos moving towards tribalism as well, moving towards division. Like there's been times over the last couple of weeks that I've, I've been on social media um, just trying to catch up with, with and, and making sure we're talking about this event that's coming up tomorrow night. As I go, I'm, like I'm seeing people that are maybe that, that, they maybe don't agree with somebody from uh, that is organizing the event or people that are going to that are promoting the event and are outright saying on their social media feeds are outright saying if such and such is going then I'm not like if this denomination is going then I'm not if the people that think this way about something are going then I'm not and I I, I find it really difficult to to stay quiet <laughs> It's really difficult not to get involved in that, but that's the last thing I will do is get involved in a Twitter war. But just to see that in our, just to see that in the church, just to see that in this, the members of the body of Christ also moving towards tribalism, moving towards division, whenever the charge to the church was that we would live out the kind of alternative lifestyle before the eyes of a watching world who are moving increasingly towards tribalism and division. And as I come back to you over and over again, if you are, if you are listening to me for any length of time, and I was reading through John 17 again yesterday, you know that I can't help but keep coming back to this, to this place. Keep coming back to where the, the charge that Jesus gives to the disciples and then the charge that he gives to, to those of us that are now following his ways, following in his footsteps. Sp- praying to the Father, my prayer is not for them alone. In John 17, verse 20, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me 
and have loved them even as you have loved me. And this again, there it is again. May they be brought through the, word, through the words of Jesus. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. He's speaking of us. Speaking of those of us that are following this way. Following the way of Jesus. And his prayer, his great unanswered prayer is that we would be one, we would be brought to complete unity. That we would live this, out this alternative lifestyle so that the watching world we would capture the attention of the watching world and that they would know that, that Jesus has came and why he has come and that he loves them. Again, the first song that Jenna led us in, you feel the darkness tremble. And I think that's the only way we're going to see the darkness tremble is following the rest of that song when all the saints join in one song. When all the streams, when every, if you want to even call it, I hate using the word, but if you want to say it, when every tribe, when every stream will flow as one river to wash away our brokenness. I think it's the only way we're going to see God moving. Songs that bring hope, songs that bring joy. Dancers who dance upon injustice. And if, and if, and if this abortion conversation that we're that we're that we're talking about uh, tomorrow night, if that if we can't unite around that, then I'm not sure what else we can unite around. And so that's what part of me is excited as David's sharing the announcements. That's that's my prayer. That's that's what excites me. That's what, that's what has me geared up to be there because it's when all the streams flow as one river, the darkness begins to tremble. The doubt can assure you the darkness will not tremble while the church is divided. The darkness is no reason to tremble when the, when the church is at odds about minor secondary issues. The word that, the word that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 3, and the word that is that Jesus uses the three times it's mentioned in the Gospels for the church is the word ecclesia. The Greek, the Greek word for, for church is this word ecclesia. And even in the, even in the, the, the Greek translation of the, the Old Testament, that's the word that is also used. And so Moses is gathering the people. It's in, in the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures, it's again, it's this word ecclesia. And so again, I know that you know this, but just to remind you, biblically speaking, the church is, is not a place and it's not a program, but it's, it's always a people. It's, a, it's, a, it's an assembly of people. It's a gathering Literally, it's a gathering of called out ones. That's what that word ecclesia means. As we see it in the Old Testament and when we see it again in the, in the New, it's an assembly of people. It's a gathering of called out ones. And so what we want to do over the next number of months is to remind ourselves of that. See, whenever we see, that, whenever we see the ecclesia properly working itself out, in those New Testament towns and cities, and even in the Old Testament, it is people who have been called out to serve a town or a village by looking after its welfare. 
And I, and I think Jeremiah, Jeremiah hits the nail on the head, and we'll touch on this as we go on in Jeremiah 29, verse 7. He says, look out for the welfare of the city that you've been exiled to, because in its welfare, in looking after its welfare, you'll find your own. That's where you'll find, that's where you'll find your, your own welfare. And, um, and I think it's really important. That's what it is to be the called out people. We don't always, I, I don't think we always think like that when it comes to the church. See, we are and this assembly of people. We are a gathering of called out ones. And so that's, that would be the language that I'd love you to be comfortable with. We are a gathering of called out ones. And those called out ones, as we would see throughout scripture, from the old to the new, is people called out to serve and to bless the towns and the villages and the cities uh, by looking after its welfare. And so we're going to talk about that because the church is not a place. It's not a program. And, and uh, I don't even know if we want this necessarily to be a strap line, but the church is a relationship. The church is a relationship. It's ultimately a relationship with, with, with God, and it's a relationship with, with each other. And then it goes beyond that. It spills out. It's, 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 it becomes a relationship with those on the outside. It becomes a relationship in terms of how we bless and serve the place that we are, that we're at. See, it's always been the mandate of this assembly of people. It's always been the mandate of the ecclesia that we would be in relationship with God and relationship with one another in order that we would point people, point people on the outside looking in towards Jesus. And so that and so some of that is is big picture stuff for where we're going to go. I suppose to to try and uh, to try and put that into a bit of a category, that is us gonna look out. And we're going to get there, and we'll probably talk about that as we go. But we want to go deep as well. And so we want to talk about what it is to look in. We want to talk about, sorry, we want to talk about what it is to look up. We want to talk about what it is to look around. And we want to talk about what it is to look in. And so there's, 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 uh, there's six categories that we've, that we've sort of divided our Sundays up into at the minute. It could expand, it could develop as we go on. But just to make you aware, those, those six things are, first of all, it's grace. It's grace, and as we consider what it is to be, uh, to be this gathered gathering of called out people, called to serve the town and the village we're called to, be looking after its welfare, we want to we be, uh, be able to look at people differently, I think. We want to be able to look at people who Jesus always says yes to. That every person that we encounter, that every person we come across today, tomorrow, throughout our week, are people that Jesus has said yes to. Who Jesus has made in his own image and who he has valued enough to go give up his life so they would know life and fullness and abundance and joy. And so we want to talk about, as we go deeper, we want to talk about what it is to be about grace. We want to talk about love. We're going to talk about some of the language that Paul uses. We're going, to, we're going to go, we're going to be in Paul so often because the language Paul uses is truly what it is to, be a, to make up this gathering of people. When he talks about how he aches for others, that's what it is to love, to ache. Paul aches for others. Like he yearns for them. He talks about how he yearns for them like a mother and he also speaks about how he's like cheering them on and, 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 and yearning for them like a father. It's, it's forming friendships, and we want to talk about generosity in that. We want, to, we want to come back to the table, and I know that's where David was 
where David has been in his, in his thinking and his praying. And we're, going to, we're going to go there. We're going to talk again about the power of the table. We're going to speak about unity. We're going to speak about, about a new mind, what it is to operate in this new mind that we have been given and called to keep on renewing. We want to speak of holiness. We want to speak of, of holiness and in that speak about our devotion to him. We want to speak about redemption. We want to talk about our salvation as a process. We want to talk about newness. We want to go to Galatians where Paul says that it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. We want to see that the old is gone and the new has come and, that, and we, are, we are this new creation. We're priest, this priesthood of all believers. We want to talk about that. We want to talk about flourishing. I've just been thinking about that a lot over the last couple of weeks and there's some people I think in the room that are going to be better at leading us on in that as we consider our vocation, as we consider our jobs, as we consider our calling, our, the places that we find ourselves in our employment. We want to, in the midst of that, we want to talk about suffering and as Jenna has already prayed for us this morning, we, we want to talk about joy. We'll talk about how Paul, as he was, as he was challenging the churches that he was speaking to, like so much... A lot of what Paul was speaking, uh, a lot of the, the letters that he wrote were coming from prison. Such suffering that he endured, but over and over again, you'll hardly miss it throughout his letters, how he speaks of joy. How he speaks of joy, and we want to talk about, about that. And so as we go, as we go along the way, uh, and I suppose even just as an introduction again, I think there's a modern idea, there's a modern idea that I'd love us to, um, to acknowledge Maybe you're, you're, you'll be reluctant to completely dismiss it this morning, and I'm not going to require you to do that, but there is, it's a modern idea. It's a modern idea that Jesus is our personal Savior. And so I, I don't want anybody to be annoyed by that, offended by that. It, like, our relationship with him is so personal. But sometimes I think how we use that and the implications of that can be really unhelpful. And it's language that was not used. It was language that has not been used up until modern times. Jesus being our own and personal saviour. The church, the assembly of people, the ecclesia, the gathered out people of God, never, they never talked like that. They never thought like that. Because what, so my fear in that is that what happens is that then the church becomes a common, or a, an optional common interest club. It just becomes an option. The church becomes an option whenever it was central. It was at the very heart of the mission of Jesus. Was not, it was not an option. It was not an option to the mission of Jesus. It was at the very heart of it. So Christianity is not, it's not a privately held set of beliefs. It's a shared life. The church, it points, it, the church points to the kingdom and the church remains the most uh, visible expression of the kingdom of God. And again, this is, I think that you'll keep hearing me use some of this as we go on to be a Christian. To be a Christian is to be in Christ. To be in Christ is to be in the body of Christ. And to be in the body of Christ is to be in an ordinary church family. In the third century, there was a, there was a, there was a guy known as Saint Cyprian. He was the bishop of Carthage, which is modern-day Tunisia. 
And I, I love what he said. I've been really challenged by this this week. He said he can no longer have God for his father who has not the church for his mother. He who gathers elsewhere than the church scatters the church of Christ. He can no longer have God for his father who has not the church for his mother. He who gathers elsewhere than the church scatters the church of God. And so as I said at the start, there, there seems to be fewer people attend in church than claim to follow Jesus. And so I want to acknowledge and I want to touch on this as we go on because we're still, we're still with that question in mind because I'm aware that there's people and possibly you are in this room that have been burnt, that have been broken, that have been bruised, that have, that have experienced the hypocrisy, that have experienced uh, cultural barriers, that have experienced betrayal. That's why I want to I want to acknowledge that, but I also want to say that we can't give up on her. We can't give up on her. We can't give up on the church. And, and so I don't know whether you're at the place where you are tolerating or you love the church. And whether for you today, whether you just whether it is something that you tolerate on a Sunday morning at eleven o'clock, or whether you love it. But what I want to suggest and what I want us to push at over the next number of weeks and months is to suggest that it depends on your way of seeing. And again, to go back to it, that's why we want to spend some time looking up. And that's why we want to spend some time looking around and why we want to spend some time looking in. To quote another uh, old saint, St. John of the Cross, said, the virtuous soul that is alone is like the burning soul that is alone. It will grow colder rather than hotter. And so as David was speaking at the beginning about, uh, about picking up Sarah and giving her a little pat and saying, keep going. Sensing that the father was saying the same thing to him. I want to add to that. I want to add to that because it's, it, it, it's, it cannot be done. It cannot be done in isolation. This, this idea of keeping on going. This idea of pushing through when it's difficult. This idea of pushing through when you're lonely. This idea of trying to make it on your own. It's, it's impossible. You can't do it on your own. You need a community of people. You need a community of people. That's part of, the, part, of my, part of my thing that I'd love to say to people who have treated the church as an option is that you would become more radical and the radical thing today seems to be staying put. The radical thing to do today is to stay put, even when there's difficulties, even when there's disagreements, that you would be radical enough to stay put and to work this out, to work it out what it is to be this assembly of people, this diverse community of people that have been called, that have been called, that have been charged to live out on a a kind of alternative society before a watching world. We have this opportunity to capture their attention. And I can assure you that the, the, thing, the thing that so often captures their attention is people that are following Jesus, not loving the church. And in some ways, it just increasingly doesn't make sense to me how we can love the church and how we can love Jesus and not love the church.
And I say this over and over again to the interns, and you've maybe heard me saying it here, but I can assure you that our, our friendship would not last very long if you came up to me and told me that you really loved me. You really loved me, you really valued me, but you could not stand Judith. Neil, you're good, you're a friend, we, we appreciate you, we love you, but see your wife, see your bride, I want nothing to do with her. Our friendship would not last very long. And part of me feels it's the same way for, Je for Jesus as we, as we think about how we said, Jesus, we love you, but see your bride. We want nothing to do with her. We want nothing to do with your bride. And I know that, that there's times where the bride is, doesn't behave the way that she should. I'm, this, I'm, I'm no longer using Judith as the analogy here. That analogy's done. It's cut. New sentence. Analogy over. But I think I'm done there anyway. But I, I am. Uh, I, I genuinely hope that that you will follow along with this because I think there's something beautiful and something powerful happens when we begin to live out the this alternative society that Jesus has charged us with, that Paul continues to charge us with over and over again. I love that throughout this. That if you're not there this week, don't feel don't feel like you have to be. But as we continue to ask that question, that, that your answer to that will continue to shift over the next number of weeks. And we're touching some stuff that is so important and I'm trying to resist the urge of like blurting it all out in one go, but I'm so looking forward to it. I think it could radically impact how we see the church and how we see him and how we see one another and how we see the world. And I think that's so important. And so Father, I thank you for I thank you that this is the church, the assembly, the ecclesia, the gathering of called out people has been your eternal purpose right from the beginning. This was mystery that was being withheld. It was being withheld until a certain time and now it has been revealed. It has been revealed so that the, your manifold wisdom, your manifold wisdom would be made known would be made known to a watching world and to the supernatural world beyond. And God, we just want to take up that charge again afresh. When we acknowledge that our, how we view the church is, is not right, we want to just look again. And over these next weeks and months, we just want to, we just want to acknowledge that it's, our, how we've seen it has been altered. We're looking at it through the wrong lens. We've, we are, we're just needing fresh Holy Spirit lens to see her in the way that you see her. And so God, with this question that we're asking, I pray that, that something just would begin to shift in our heart and our mind as we go on these, these weeks and months. That our answer to this question would be radically different even than it is today. And God, we just begin to see fruit. We begin to see some things, some things birthed, some things accelerate. We begin to see fruitfulness. God, as we begin to live it out in the way that you have always been intending for us to live it out. So we, uh, we just open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you. And I pray that you would come and do something so incredible among us. We thank you that we, can, that we can know you. Thank you for that relationship that we can have with you. But your intention was always to call out a people. Your intention has always been to call out a people, to call out a family. That will partner with you, God. And we just want to, we just want to say, um, we just want to take up the challenge of that again. We're going to open ourselves to seeing differently and to hearing differently. And so we thank you.
We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.